all profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they've got to get them off welfare. trying to start causing problems like as soon as we start <laughs> all right keep an eye on them i guess they're cats that's what they do <laughs> yeah they, they look like trouble all right so uh hey welcome to cars and comrades it's your socialist car podcast i'm brian what starring my cats yeah starring brandon brandon's cats uh me bryant Connor and Zach, how are y'all doing? Good, good. Hey, not too bad. Never better. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm something. I'm great. Yeah. So we got a few different segments coming up on the show today. We kind of just, it's, it's a little bit of a car potluck here. Uh, Before we do anything, let's address a rumor that I heard. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have, this. I've looked. I, I've looked. I can't find any like concrete like confirmation that this is true but supposedly because like dodge like the new dodge chargers have uh don't oil well at idle and will wipe out their cam if you just idle them the, supposedly there is a shortage of cams right now which i have personally dealt with because i was limited in the options for my big block cam because a bunch of them were like out of stock and back ordered and shit that's right supposedly because cops are very stupid and idiots and do everything wrong. Uh, and they just sit around in their shitty Dodge Chargers, like, idling them. They're all suddenly having cam failure where they've wiped out the cam loads. And what manufacturers are shifting over to try and, like, get all of these Hemi cams made. Because cops are stupid, use their equipment wrong, and fucked up all their cars. Oh my god. I have one. Yeah. I have for years wondered. I'm like... They sit and they fucking idle these cars all day, every fucking day. Is this going to ever cause damage? And it seems that it has. Amazing. Yeah, don't idle a car like that. Pure seems speculation, but from everything I can tell, they actually do have oiling issues at low RPM. So it does make sense that if you just sit around with them at idle for years, <laughs> uh, That's all they do. you're going to cause problems. <laughs> Yeah, oh, didn't have that problem with the Crown Vic. You know, that thing was, you know, a little bit more robust. Well, I mean, but, like, the Chargers don't... They're, they're, like, no car is just meant to sit at idle for eight or ten hours a day. No. No, not yeah. at all. That's so fucking funny. And oh, then my all the God. stuff gets in the fucking interior, and then they've got to, like, go murder people because they're mad about it. <laughs> what a you know, I heard... You know, like when when two cop cars are parked next to each other, uh, pointing opposite directions, so their pass their their driver side windows are facing each other, so they can sit and chat. Someone, uh, technically, uh, that's referred to as a pig pen. Okay. <laughs> See, I I've heard it called cruiser spooning, uh, which is also <laughs> kind of oh, funny. When I say technically, I mean that's what I just called them. Sure. All right. But from now on, I think that they should be called pig pens. 
<laughs> I'm for it. Um, uh, reason reason number so 873 yeah, uh, to uh, abolish sorry, the ahead, police. Oh, I was just saying, you know, reason number 873 <laughs> right. to abolish the police. Yeah, I can't get my the big block cam that I want, and I had to settle for less lift. <laughs> that is Possibly a tragedy. Possibly because of the police. <laughs> we'll find any reason to blame police. And for good, I mean, for good reason. This is a good one. Yeah. yeah. What bastards. There's plenty of reasons. We don't really need to go searching. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so... Uh, now that we got the, the rumor section out of the way, uh, <laughs> so little table of contents here for y'all. Uh, we're going to do some project car updates as usual. Um, I've got a segment on leaded gasoline, tetraethyl lead, the history of that and why it's bad and, uh, you know, kind you're of sure it's made sure, rumors stupid and violent. You're sure it wasn't good. What's that? You're sure it wasn't good? I have seen uh, well, some right-wing memes. It's it's great for uh, you know an octane booster like it's super cheap and uh, easy to to manufacture and um, really really poisonous and uh, yeah especially especially for the brains of children. I don't know. Well, I've good. seen some I've seen some right wing memes good. where they say I, I don't find shit. We're really really laggy. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, Connor, go ahead. <laughs> Wow. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe I should refresh or something. That's real bad. That's like uh, 30 maybe. seconds. Should I hit pause and see what happens here? Yeah. All right. I'm, all right. I'm going to hit pause. We'll try and cut this out. Connor, go ahead. All right. We had a little technical difficulty there. It was a little laggy, but I think we're back up and running. So... Just to give you all a heads up of what we're going to be talking about, we're going to do our project car updates as usual. Um, I've got a little segment on leaded gasoline, tetraethyl lead, and why it's not the greatest thing in the world. And then we're going to revisit the fantasy car company segment um, that Zach missed out on, so we're going to get his thoughts on that. Um, I've got a lemons... An update on the lemons race um, last weekend, that being the 11th. Um, so who knows when this will come out? Uh, it might be a little bit old news, or you know maybe it'll come out exactly when the, uh, the lemons YouTube video comes out. Look, so, admittedly, you know, we'll see if we can every, get a scoop on that. Everything we do is like late news by the time it comes out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're looking to us for like current events, then you know, sorry. Uh, just live in the past with us. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, get last week's newspaper. and if someone's coming to us for current events, then that's on them. Yeah. So I guess uh, we should do Project Car updates. Um, and I think, uh, Brandon, I think you're the, the first one up. I can do that. Uh, I worked on everything. Woo! Everything. I, uh, yeah, well, I guess not really, but sort of. Um, I uh, continued putting my motorcycle together. Um, and actually, I guess I really haven't done, like, that much, that much. I've, I've started, uh, I tore down my big block. Um, 
encountered some slight problems that I'm choosing to ignore rather than send it to the shop for machine work. Uh, my, my, my cam bearings don't look like they're in the best shape, but I'm, I'm not that committed to this motor. I don't know, but I'm, I'm getting it back together. Uh, I had this really cool idea where I would do some grinding near my motor with it uncovered and not think about it. So I had to clean debris out of all the cylinders. Mm, fun. Um, yeah, it was like mostly wire wheeling stuff. So it wasn't like actual grit. So I'm, I'm just like, no, this is fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, I did that. Uh, man, I know I'm forgetting stuff because I've, I've been in my shop like every day lately. Whatever. I guess that's that. Oh, I, I might have decided to buy a dirt track car. Yes. I'm, I'm still sorting that out. But I went, to, I went to the dirt track racing and was like, you know what would be more fun than watching dirt track racing? Racing in the dirt <laughs> track. That's how it starts. Yeah, so... I'll, I'll keep you updated on that. I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to rush into buying another car, but I'm also not trying to build a dirt car. I just want to find one that I can afford to buy and race it. That's the way to do it. Have you ever seen those uh, those Legends cars with the like Kawasaki bike motors? I think those are pretty cool. I actually have. Uh, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah, they look kind of like a, like a 34 Ford or you know similar vintage. Uh, cars but they have a you know motorcycle engine they rip pretty okay. good that's actually not what i thought you were talking about but i still also know what you're talking about okay um yeah maybe they're called something else but i've seen a couple of them where people have you know put lights and turn signals on them and made them street legal which kind of rocks that does rock why would i want something that i'm driving to be street legal <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah. All right. Well, I think it's my turn then. Um, I have done very little with cars. Um, I've been, you know, still moving into my new place and unpacking and all that. And um, I did get a chance to last week jack up my MR2 and look underneath it. And turns out when that uh, axle went loose, it also took a chunk out of the transmission. So it whipped around and punched a hole right in the transmission and you can see some gears in there. And that's probably not good. Probably not. So um, at this, yeah. So I do have a spare transmission and an axle. Um, I might need a couple other odds and ends, but uh, I've done that before. Uh, it's it's a pain in the ass. I'm, I'm going to need to borrow an engine hoist from someone or maybe just get like a four by four and a ratchet strap uh to lift the engine up a little bit uh so we'll see we'll see but what i might do and maybe y'all can give me some input on this is just you know get a piece of like soft annealed aluminum and hammer it onto the shape of the transmission and jb weld it in place there and then fill it up with transmission oil and see if it if it'll drive around for a little bit i mean if if you got to it'll probably work as long as all the insides are okay but you're playing with fire you know you just have enough money to yeah. get a tow i mean basically keep right keep enough money in the account that you could get a tow truck <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i'm not gonna make that transmission any better you know like it's already kind of shit like it was already popping out of fifth gear yep 
Um, so like, it's not long for this world. I, I will have to replace it eventually, but I don't know. I guess it depends on like how much time I have. I might just want to like be able to park it on the street while I do stuff with my Sabaru. Cause that's due for an oil change pretty soon. And the AC doesn't work. So yeah, it's, it's fun having project cars. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Oh, and it leaks fuel too. I don't know if I mentioned that before the Sabaru does. When it's cold. Yep, you did. So I'm going to have to fix that before winter. Yep, you did mention that. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, that's all I've got for my own stuff right now. Uh, well, um, I have uh, considerably more. <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I'm going to start with the first bit, which is the least important, but also maybe you guys have some answers for me. The Camaro has still got all the same problems it's always had, um, and it's just in the shop, but it's very back burner because uh, the Z has kind of taken precedence. But one of the things that we have to look into is I got a new gas tank filler neck because I had gasoline pouring out of the fucking tank because the old one was bent and the cap wouldn't seal. Um, so that was a whole thing. But replacing it is pretty kind of a big pain in the ass since it like goes half of it goes into the gas tank and it's like raised on there and you know we don't want to do the whole like drop the gas tank and everything and like do the whole fucking thing so what we're thinking of doing is actually cutting off the top bit and welding on the new the top from the new piece that i bought the the real question is um, there's like there's a, the main filler neck tube, and inside that that it runs along the top is a secondary tube, which I is used for some kind of ventilation, and I think it has to do with when you're filling up, it'll like cause the um, the pump to stop when you you know get sufficiently full, and I think that tube has something to do with that. Yeah, it's the vent. It's the vent. So I don't know how. Mm-hmm necessarily airtight that has to be when we re-weld the new piece because like you'd only be able to weld the outside not the inside so the question is if we used like you know an rtv to connect the new piece on there and then welded the outside would that be a sufficient seal that like or would that fuck things up i mean i'd be more worried about welding on the gas tank without i mean i I assume you're gonna like drain it out and like flush it with water or something yeah something like that I'm not sure. I'm okay. not doing the welding. Yeah, no, he's, he's like, for all of the incredibly sketchy things that I do, welding on a fuel tank is highly doable, but you have to be really fucking careful because if it's not cleaned out really well, gas vapor is going to be in there, and that's the most explosive thing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming we will have some precautions for that, but I don't know. We're trying not to take the whole gas tank okay. out, so I don't. Which I don't know. Maybe we. I thought you were say we're trying to not take too many precautions. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out if it's even feasible at this point. Because like it's. I guess you could just get like some some fuel safe hose and some hose clamps instead of welding it. Just we were you know put a piece of rubber or a silicone hose in between. So we did. We actually thought about that, like using like a radiator hose or something, and kind of like slipping it over one end, and then just putting RTV around everything and then slipping it back over and then clamping it down 
that might be the the better way um i just again i'm worried if it like doesn't seal will it actually cause a problem and i i I, a part of me thinks it won't i do know that some rtb is not fuel safe yeah no using the using the fuel safe rtb um of course yeah i don't know it seems like something we're gonna try but um it's kind of a sort of a risky move i suppose so i don't know i was thinking if maybe somebody knows but whatever we're probably just gonna try it (laughs) so yeah i don't know uh, I, I have a pretty good solution. Is it is your fuel is is your filler neck driver side or passenger side? Driver side. Okay, so just go really slow when you turn right. <laughs> I have tried that. It's <laughs> it helps marginally, but like also never have more than a half a tank of gas. Been doing that still comes out. I'm <laughs> <laughs> or just wrap everything in duct tape. <laughs> I like that you've already tried all of the solutions that I'm only offering sarcastically. <laughs> I mean, that's where I've been at, man. I've been trying not to worry about it, but I'm like, yeah, no, I got to fix this. Okay, well, yeah, whatever. We're gonna try it. I'll let I'll let people know if that actually works, and I guess we'll soon know if that uh, tube on the inside, if if it doesn't seal, we'll know if that's a problem or not. <laughs> we'll find out together. Can't wait. I like I'm having a hard time visualizing what you're describing, so that's why I'm not offering more like actual help. But there has to be like a real way to do this. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's something. Whatever. I'll keep you all posted. That's not the big news though. The big news is the Z, which is very, very close to done. It's all put together. And it is nice. not currently starting. Um but I'm gonna be talking to the tuner uh tomorrow to see if like that seems relatively normal because it's like it's turning over it sounds really consistent and it sounds perfectly strong um and if you squirt some starting fluid in there it does start to like fire up a little bit so we think there's spark but because i've got like brand new larger injectors that as far as i know i'm not sure if the computer can actually even communicate with them yet so, so the car's not starting yet, but you know, it's got to go over to the tuner to get a baseline tune on it so that it can actually start and run for the break in. So that's both exciting and a little nerve wracking, but I don't know. It, yeah. it looks good. Uh, and I'm very excited for it to run. So I, I did, Sweet. I got it. Yeah. I got a chance to actually go to the shop yesterday and like see it and it looks good. It's got new headlights in it, which also look very good. Uh, the whole car looking solid. New fucking everything. Engine. Oh, by the way, Connor. Yeah. I was uh, I was driving around Denver last night and saw a 350Z with the underglow that yes. changes color. Yes. And I think you should definitely get that. I think I should definitely get that, too. <laughs> I am very supportive of underglow, so... Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I think that's more of a next year kind of thing. But it also had the chrome license plate frame with the 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 um, the palm trees on it, you know, because uh, you know we live in Colorado. There's there's palm trees all over the place. Yeah, that here. seems a little mismatch, but ah, <laughs> uh, yes, tropical Colorado. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, hey, who knows? With the realities of uh, climate change coming, anything is possible. Minnesota could be a tropical paradise someday. Yeah, I think it's more likely to be a desert. 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> but a beachside desert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Denver is an old ancient lake bed, so it'll probably exactly. come back up. There you go. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Also, it was a place for a lake to sleep at. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it gets tiring being a lake. You know, you got to have some rest. It gets tiring being this funny. <laughs> I can only imagine. I'm tired. Yeah, all of my friends are very tired of it. <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's that's pretty. So that that's. Sorry, I was just going to say, that's pretty much all I got. Z is looking cool, and hopefully it's running soon. So, yep. I'm always looking cool. <laughs> oh, you made your car. Yeah. This is like the most efficient project car update we've ever done. We're killing it. I yeah. know, right? Does anybody have a story to sidetrack us? <laughs> I was just going to say, man, I need to take like a hundred times longer than usual so we can get back on our very slow pace. Of <laughs> you don't like have to do that. <laughs> it just feels wrong to not to. But some things, sometimes the things that feel wrong are the most right. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there should be some. I have, I like, I have music to go back and follow that. <laughs> How's your truck, Zach? Oh, you know, still a piece of shit. <laughs> like you it? No, it's a non-working piece of shit right now. Mm. But my transmission did ship. They finally, the builders got it done, and it shipped out on Thursday. Should be here this Thursday at the earliest. Nice. Sweet. But, so you, yeah. you feel like you've it's accurate that you've been fixing or repairing it daily? <laughs> yes <laughs> definitely <laughs> which we, pretty on brand i All feel right. like you should explain that joke just in case there are listeners who don't understand that that is the acronym for ford fix or repair daily dude, if you don't under dude, if you don't understand that, that car manufacturer names get weird acronyms made up for them like i don't i don't know why you're listening to a car podcast <laughs> I don't know. I think it's I th probably for all the great humor and solid jokes. Yeah, although I'm pretty sure we have some Zoomer. Uh, yeah, okay, well, fair enough. Two yeah. two of the popular Ford acronyms that I remember hearing as a child were Ford stands for fix or repair daily or found on road dead. Yeah, I did hear a good one for, for Chevrolet recently. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's new, but it was new to me. It was uh. Cracked heads, every valve rattles, oil leaks every time. <laughs> wow. Nice. Um, I, I like the uh, the one for Fiat. Fix it again, Tony. I, I've used that within the last seventy two hours. <laughs> it, it hasn't really changed, and you know, since they were in the U.S. market previously. Well, I just like it because Italians are, are just the last people that it's still okay to be racist against. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh. So, so uh, any actual updates, Zach, or just truck is piece of shit? Uh, that's the main one. Uh, my Subaru is somehow fixing problems that it has on its own. So that's, that's kind of nice. neat. Yeah, it's neat. That's always a mixed blessing. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little terrifying. <laughs> it's neat. It's neat until you later realize that oh no, it didn't fix the problem. It hit it and got worse. Yeah. <laughs> It's I, just the sensor broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I 
I'm not really sure how how it happened because I was only hitting like 50% of my target piece, peak boost numbers. Um, and then all of a sudden I wasn't, I was hitting a hundred percent. So I don't know. I thought there might be a leak, but I didn't plug any leaks and it just started hitting boost again. So yeah. Something inside broke off and then clogged up the leak. <laughs> Probably. It, I mean, I, I it, by my understanding of how the, the boost controller works on those, it might have been um, either like a little little clog in, in one of the vacuum lines, like maybe mm-hmm. just a little bit of oil. Mm-hmm. Or it could be that um, it was just not getting electricity to the the boost control solenoid. Yeah. Because basically those work by bleeding off a little bit of pressure from the um, wastegate actuator. Right. And so if it's not doing that, it'll only hit about 8 PSI, yep. I think. So. Yep. And that's what I was saying. So I, I assume there is like a logical explanation for it. Uh but it is fun to think that my car is just magic and it fixes problems all by itself. Yeah. Well, there, there's Early always two something. explanations, the logical one and the one that I make up to make myself feel better. Yes. <laughs> I generally prefer the second. <laughs> you could have had the problem that I had when I just got mine, uh, that one of the vacuum hose cracked and the, the wastegate wasn't opening at all and I was getting like 22 pounds of boost. That was kind of fun, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds way more fun than not enough boost. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was probably doing harm to the engine, but, you know, I could, like, spin the tires. <laughs> can, can you not normally? Not with four, uh, all-wheel drive, not really, no. Oh, fair enough, yeah. I was going to say, uh, I, one one little thing with my Sabaru is uh, the other day, the clutch felt kind of funny, and uh, it had one of the indicators for knock on the on the um what's it called little computer thing oh the access port yeah so mm-hmm. i think the safe limit is like eight degrees advance or whatever on that thing and it was hitting like 10 Oof. and it's like oh, oh maybe something's not right here <laughs> oh wow i run 11 degrees on everything well it's like the adjustment or whatever i forget the it's like fine knock feedback or something i i'll have to do a little bit of more research into into what's going on with that but i mean that engine's a little old anyways so whatever but yeah i think i guess that's all for the uh project car updates um we can move on to the lead thing yeah let's get the lead out yeah So, uh, lead is a chemical element with the symbol PB from Latin plumbum, uh, atomic number 82. It's a heavy metal, you know, I, duh, it's lead. That's why I'm such a big fan of lead, actually. Yeah. Um, I like, I like lead's earlier stuff, though. (laughs) (laughs) Once, once lead got a little bit more popular, it really went downhill. Yeah, they got older and kind of went into like a black metal thing, and I didn't like that as much. <laughs> Honestly, that works as a heavy metal joke and as like the reality of lead pipes. Yeah, that's why I said it. Nailed it. <laughs> layers. That joke has layers. So, 
Uh, humans have been mining and using lead for various purposes since at least uh, around 6500 BC. Uh, it's it's uh, a byproduct of smelting silver and other various alloys. Um, so it's pretty easy to find uh, and, you know, melt out of rocks and whatnot. Uh, it's easy to work with, you know, it's easy to cast because it has a low melting point. So you can use it for like, you know, uh, projectiles for slingshots. Uh, you can make pipes out of it. Um, you know, uh, Romans used it to make a lot of water pipes, you know, which is where the word plumbing comes from. Uh, it was used a lot in the Middle Ages to make roof tiles for churches. Um, they made coffins. And then uh, also the ancient Romans used it as a artificial sweetener, uh, lead acetate, uh, to sweeten wine. Yum. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, good stuff. So, you know, that's that's kind of, you know, where the, the, the thing about uh, eating lead paint chips comes from is because it tastes sweet. And kids will, you know, start chowing down on that. And it's a problem, as uh, as we'll get into here in a minute. Um, I mean, like everything, it's okay in moderation, right? <laughs> not really, no. Um, you know, that used to be the belief. Uh, it turns out, not really. There's no real safe lead level uh, in humans. See, I, I've seen a bunch of right-wing memes that would have me believe otherwise. They'll say things like, whoa, we used to eat lead paint chips and we all turned out fine and these new kids are just babies. None of them turned out fine. I know. Look at them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we used to drink from the hose and ride in the back of the pickup and which there was only some of us died. I feel like there was never deaths. anything wrong with drinking from the hose. It's like the whole reason, like, oh, did anyone ever stop drinking from the hose? Yeah, I mean that's the least <laughs> bad thing. Why are they so I proud do it of regularly? That? Still, Am yeah. I, should I not do that? They're very proud of it. It's very strange. I do, but I have an old like lead garden hose. Well, yeah, all right. Maybe don't drink out of that one. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. Maybe maybe some weird shit can grow in there, but I don't know. Flush it out a little bit. Yeah, we're not we're not like a health advice podcast. None of us are doctors, so like you know, take this with a grain of lead, I guess. <laughs> I've got my doctorate in bad ideas. <laughs> so yeah, so some some historians think that this kind of led to the decline of Rome because all the aristocrats were getting uh, lead poisoning. Uh, it's not really clear. Uh, I think mostly the people working with lead, like plumbers and um, you know people making those roof tiles and whatnot they were the people getting uh lead poisoning and uh it's a it's a tradition that you know lives on today it's all the working class people it was actually pretty widely known that lead was bad by a certain point in the roman empire because anybody who was like responsible for mining lead all like their their career was generally pretty short-lived yeah i mean at, in my notes i have um 2000 bc there was you know documentation of lead poisoning and people figured that out pretty quick but, you know, I mean, they still continue to use it in the Middle Ages. Um, there's also something called lead carbonate or Venetian ceruse. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, it's a uh, a white lead compound that they use to, like, whiten skin for makeup uh, for women mostly. And uh, some people think that led to uh, Elizabeth I's uh, death hmm. from lead poisoning. Pretty bizarre. It led to that? Uh, yes. <laughs> So um, it was also using in printing presses uh, through the 20th century. So listen, like, I was pretty anti-lead going into this, but if it's killing monarchs, I I'm going to say I'm pro. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, pretty much. Um, Cars and Comrades, the notoriously anti-monarchist podcast. <laughs> yeah, critical support for, um, for lead. lead carbonate. <laughs> Crit- critical support for eating and wearing lead. <laughs> So, uh, like other heavy metals, lead is very toxic to humans. Um, so don't go like, you know, eating plutonium or anything. Also, it especially affects the brains of fetuses and children uh, who are still developing and um, can lead to uh, diseases like ADHD, um, uh, impulsivity, you know, bad decision making. You're really making me feel like I've got lead poisoning now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, same. I mean, I was diagnosed with ADD as a kid, so uh, I don't know. Um, uh, what was going to say? Oh, and and in real high doses, it can like lead to like real like hallucinations, delirium. Uh, what else? Like blindness, cancer, death. So it's it's generally bad for you. Um, and you know, modern medical science has figured out there's basically no uh safe level of lead um i think the is it the usda uh recommends no more than um 10 micrograms per deciliter uh for adults that sounds or I, uh five micrograms per deciliter of children deciliter is a uh, that's that is the a blood made level. up so very small amounts i'm sorry yeah, what's that, that? that deciliter is not a uh, measurement I'm familiar with, and it sounds I, I've never heard that used. What is it? What is it? I think is that ten liters. I think it's a tenth of a liter. Tenth of a liter. No, I think it's a tenth of a liter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I might be wrong on that. I should probably like, let me just look that up real quick. Wait, so how much lead can I eat for every tenth of a liter of blood I've got? <laughs> yeah, one tenth of a liter is a deciliter, and uh, microgram is like a thousandth of a gram, I believe. Ooh, okay. Yeah, that is a very small amount. So why don't you just do like a hundredth of a gram for oh, every liter? Excuse me, it's a millionth of a gram. Oh. So a millionth of a gram per a tenth of a liter of blood is the uh, the quantity that is considered, you know, safe by uh, government, U.S. government. Huh. So I should buy a much more accurate scale to weigh out how much lead I'm eating. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, basically, that's like, we didn't have the technology to detect that level until re- relatively recently. And so, like, basically, you know, they'd be doing tests back in the 60s, and it's like, oh, that, there's no lead in your blood. You're fine. Don't worry about it. And it turns out it was doing damage to people back then. So... Let's see. So the first like efforts to limit lead exposure for you know people that work with lead was in the 1600s, uh, and then the first actual laws uh, to try to get you know safer working conditions were in the UK in the 1870s and 80s. So you're you're telling me that like in the 1870s, like 1870s England, the notorious workers' utopia, <laughs> um, yes. they decided that lead would bad for people but here we are in the modern world still being a little bit iffy on it yeah i mean uh like seems, seems like progress yeah I'm, I'm good with this yeah i mean people figured out pretty quick that it was bad for you but like it took a while for the science to get actually developed enough that they could detect it and you know like 
look at people's brains and 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 uh, you know figure out what exactly was happening. This just sounds like the lead poisoning version of global warming, where like we've reached a conclusion like a hundred years ago, but we're still waiting for the science to come in. Oh yeah, no, exactly. And I'm sure there's other stuff like um, I forget what it's called. There's that shit that they use for like firefighting foam, and I think it's also involved in manufacturing Teflon that is like super duper toxic and like doesn't degrade over time. Uh, so that's good stuff. Microplastics. Are you talking about asbestos? Uh, no. Hold on a second. Okay. It's like, are we still using that? I thought we kind of all agreed that that was... It still has uses, bad. actually. Um, PFAS, uh, perfluorooctanate acid, and uh, perfluorooctanate sulfonic acid. Sounds like lovely stuff. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. We should make a podcast of just Bryant trying to pronounce random <laughs> chemicals. Yeah, there's a reason why I didn't go into organic chemistry or any kind of chemistry for that matter. Actually, that's a lie. I, I do uh, uh, the practical side of biochemistry, by which I mean homebrewing. Nice. So, okay, so tetraethyl lead is a uh, sort of, I, I think they call it a semi-organic compound because it's organic and contains lead. Uh, it was first discovered in uh, around 1850-ish, uh, and I couldn't find a source for exactly who or when that was discovered. Uh, but in 1921, a guy named Thomas Midgley Jr., uh, who's a chemist working with the Charles Kettering at the Dayton Research Laboratories, uh, which was a subsidiary of General Motors, discovered that if you put tetraethyl lead into gasoline, it prevents uh, knocking. So basically premature combustion uh, in gasoline engines uh, happens when, if you don't have high octane fuel, when it's going under in the compression stroke, uh, you can have, basically it combusts it just from heating up from the compression. And um, that can... It's called, it's called detonation or pre-detonation. Yeah, it's a very dramatic sort of almost like an explosion more so than a controlled combustion. And uh, it can damage your engine. It can like little make little pock marks in you know various components, um, or it just can like blow a hole clean through your piston. Exactly. Yeah. It can. You know. It'll put a lot of stress on on various components. Um, so like you know back in the in the twenties, you know lots of cars only had like six to one compression ratios because the the average you know, gasoline was like 70 octane or something. It wasn't, there wasn't that sort of technology of making high octane gas. Okay. That um, actually also had a, a lot more to do with, you can't achieve super high compression ratios with side valve motors. Correct. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, with side valve motors, you have a, a larger, you know, combustion chamber at the top of the motor. Um, well, because of the location of the valves, you can't, decrease the size of the combustion chamber to increase compression hmm. without right. also reducing the amount of lift and the can and the valve. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. And talking so, 1920s motors here, boys, this is what I actually know something about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the GM started a division called the ethyl corporation. Uh, so they, you know, didn't use the word lead at all in their advertising. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think they called it ethyl because, um, you know, it, it's called tetraethyl lead, but also like there were other competing octane boosters that were based off of 
um, ethyl alcohol, you know, ethanol. Uh, and they wanted to, you know, say like, you know, put the impression that, oh, hey, this is basically just alcohol that we're, you know, adding to, to um, engines. Uh, and also uh, lead is a lot cheaper than alcohol. So that was, it, it was more profitable for them to uh, use this tetraethyl lead. Hmm. Um, I guess one of the positive things of it is that it acted as a lubricant for valve seats. Because uh, if you have non-hardened valve seats, um, they can kind of like weld themselves to the valves and cause pitting and damage. Uh, but basically, if you have a little film of lead on there, it'll it'll make everything nice and happy. The, the spring pressure on non-hardened valve seats will also like pull the valve like into the metal more. Uh-huh. If you have like a, 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 hot, a springs with a high spring rate on the valves. There's specifically like some 50s motors that I would really like to run in like a hot rod or something, but you can't put hardened valve seats in them. You literally have to use like octane boosters or lead additives in the fucking fuel. Yeah. yeah. And that's the nail head that we were talking about before? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they're, oh. they're pretty hard to run on the street just regularly. By the way, little side tangent. Um, I think we were talking about this on the Slack channel, but... I kind of want to do a reverse flow hot V turbo nail head. So get a cam where it, it um, has the intake going into the exhaust ports and the exhaust coming out the intake and then put a turbo where the carburetor would go. I think that would be kind of a fun thing to do. That would be, I still feel like you're going to destroy the block, but a reverse flow nail head is a thing that was at the very least accomplished in the sixties. Yeah. I mean, people have done reverse flow nail heads, with blowers and also um turbo nail heads but not the two combined as far as i could find i really i really don't know what sort of power output those are able to withstand because it's not a motor i've ever seen somebody push to its limits well the one the one that gm the prototype turbo that they made like in the 60s i think had like 600 pound feet of torque or something so i forget the horsepower on it but like they they're pretty pretty stout motors i would say yeah, but again, a, a naturally aspirated nail head can do better than 500 pound-feet of torque. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, they're, they're tractor motors. That's why yeah. I love them. Nice. And they look super weird. Oh, they do. Yeah, definitely. So anyways, as soon as uh, industrial-scale production of tetraethyl lead began in the 1920s, uh, the factory workers began showing symptoms of lead poisoning. So at the uh, Bayway Refinery in New Jersey, I believe, uh, 32 of 49 employees uh, were hospitalized at some point during the plant's uh, operation. Oh, shit. And uh, five of them eventually died. All right. Yeah, that's real bad. So. Yikes. Yeah. So this was around 1925. And to uh, allay fears, uh, Thomas Midgley Jr. um, did a press conference where he dipped his hands into tetraethyl lead and said oh hey look it's it's perfectly fine uh, the devil's kinda, milkshake yeah it's kind of like you know was it was it obama, it was obama. or Hickenlooper who was drinking the fracking fluid oh i thought or, uh, i thought obama was the one that was drinking flint water yeah 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 i think you're right he was drinking the the flint water so point being we've seen this before continue yeah. continues to yeah. this day um, <laughs> So, and then he, uh, Midgley, uh, took some time off and took a vacation in Florida, uh, because he had, you know, like he went to like a health spa, I think, and 
and had all the symptoms of lead poisoning, but never like said that he had lead poisoning because <laughs> I just touched lead and then got all the symptoms of lead poisoning. It's probably unrelated though. <laughs> I like that he went to a spa in Florida. Like that is, it's, it's the fully like human equivalent of like we sent the dog to live on a farm upstate. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. The dog doesn't have lead poisoning. We sent him to live on a farm upstate. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and Midgley is an interesting guy. Like, um, there's a whole uh, episode of the Dollop podcast about him. Uh, he also invented uh, chlorofluorocarbons, the uh, refrigerant that put the hole in the ozone layer. So uh, he's, you know, not the greatest at inventing safe things, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, apparently not. It's easier to ask forgiveness than it is to ask permission. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and I guess we mentioned um, Flint, Michigan briefly. Uh, you know, we, we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but the main thing with lead pipes is um, the pH level of the water going through them. So if it's acidic it can eat away at the lead and leach it into the water um if it's you know more neutral or more basic it's not a big deal uh it's just going to have an oxide layer on the inside and it's not going to leach into the water at all but what happened with flint and you know i'm sure the listeners might know this already but they switched their source of their water coming into the water treatment plant from you know one body of water to another and it uh was more acidic and people started getting lead poisoning. So so if, if the water is more basic, then it's okay? Exactly, yes. So why don't they just put pumpkin spice in all the water? <laughs> Same! <laughs> um, I legit did not know that, actually. <laughs> oh, boy. <clears throat> well, no, pumpkin spice won't actually help me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, can, you need, like, some Ugg boots and, uh, I don't know. What was I going to say? So in, in uh, 1925, there was a, uh, an inquiry into these deaths uh, by the medical examiner of New York, I believe. And uh, the U.S. Surgeon General looked into it also. A few cities and states uh, banned tetraethyl lead briefly. Uh, but then the U.S. Surgeon General report came out and said, uh, this is, you know, basically safe in small amounts. So, like, you know, just, just uh, like, put a face mask on if you're handling this stuff and, like, maybe some gloves and you'll be fine. So, um, And then everyone accused them of uh, stripping them of their rights for making them wear a face mask. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it continued to be used. It was used a lot in World War II, I think, um, uh, I believe General Motors licensed it to a German company in the 30s. So uh, that was a good move, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Germany didn't really do anything wrong in the 30s, so that tracks. No. Yeah. But uh, it was used in airplane engines a lot because, you know, they need higher octane for better performance. Uh, a lot of them were supercharged or turbocharged, especially in the later years of the war. Um, and then it was used obviously a lot in, you know, big American V8s during the muscle car era um, to, to get, you know, high, when higher compression ratios started being a thing. And then, you know, in the 60s, there was the environmental movement. There was things like Silent Spring, uh, the hippies, etc. And people started looking at lead and saying, oh, hey, maybe this isn't such a good idea after all. And also, 
sort of what led to, <laughs> I did it again, what, what caused the eventual phase out of lead was the uh, adoption of catalytic converters on cars. So that started happening in the 60s when uh, emissions regulations started uh, taking effect. And it turns out lead is not good for catalytic converters. It'll basically just coat everything and make them uh, totally ineffective. So that's when lead, unleaded gasoline started becoming more available in the 70s. Uh, and then in 76, uh, I believe it was part of the Clean Air Act, they started to phase it out uh, in the U.S., but it wasn't completely. Uh, yes, Connor. What do you? Got? Um, yeah, I was just going to note. So um, catalytic converters did start being used in the mid '70s because of the Clean Air Act, which was, uh, I believe, which I just did a whole bunch of. <laughs> we just did the episodes on it. Um, it was either 1970 or 1971. The Clean Air Act was passed. This meant that car makers had to start producing cars that could meet these standards and they had like five years to do it or something so uh right right in that like 19 i think 1972 um they actually started coming out with catalytic converters but by 1975 1976 there were also other additional emissions controls um and i would imagine that kind of corresponds a lot with the uh phase out of leaded fuels that we're talking about right yeah, and uh, I'm sure you know the boom, the boomers will say, "Oh, you know that's the that was the end of the golden era of muscle cars." You know, that's when we couldn't have high compression V8s. And um, it doesn't but... take a boomer. I will also say that it, it's just <laughs> a worthwhile trade-off. Like, yes, I will accept that my muscle car can't make quite as much power as long as I'm also not poisoning entire generations of children. Yeah. Yes, yes. And um but we know that boomers are just so fucking entitled. <laughs> I I mean, I guess if you want to sort of classify eras, this was the beginning of what they call the Malays era or maybe that started in 78 uh or whenever you know um Carter gave his his speech about uh the the Malays happening in in the US. Uh but then, you know, you had the the turbo era in the 80s when fuel injection started being used and uh you know other octane boosters came around like uh, cocaine yes <laughs> the human octane booster <laughs> yeah so anyways uh it led gas was not completely phased out in the u.s until 1996 so um i believe all of us were alive i don't know maybe zach you were i don't know if you're the the baby here if you were born after 96 I I was just barely alive. I was, okay. I was a couple years old, but uh, I was. No, around. you can't go just barely alive. Based on that metric, I'm still there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been just barely alive for about 26 years, but <laughs> I had just started existing. Yeah, so all of us uh, have probably gotten a small dose of lead as a as children. Well, at least a little bit. Okay, so um, that being said, for clarification, didn't they largely phase it out of use for cars in like? What, what, what was it like around 80 something yeah. right yeah i mean i think it was just still available in a few places for those old uh cars those old you know american v8 cars or whatever well i say um, that specifically because um okay i've i've i had a friend who was an environmental attorney for like 10 years and uh he says that there is conclusive research that shows that the drop in violence like violent crime in america starting around 1980 
was yes. directly linked to the uh, elimination of leaded fuels in cars. Yes, yes, and I'm I'm getting to that too. But well, I um, beat you there, so I'm <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, other countries continue to use leaded gas, and um, actually, the the reason I found out about this is Algeria was the last country to phase out lead in July of this year. Uh, but that's only because they just ran out of it, and they couldn't get any more. And uh, leaded avgas is also used in airplanes uh, today. So basically, any airplane built before 1976 probably runs on leaded gasoline, and uh, some race cars also. Um, you know, it's still legal to use it off-road, I guess. So what you, what Brandon was mentioned, um, there's the lead crime hypothesis that uh, lead exposure at young ages leaves children with uh, problems like learning disabilities, ADHD, impulse control problems. Uh, and then as adults, they, uh, they commit crimes, especially violent crime. So there's other sources of lead, like we mentioned, lead pipes, lead paint, you know, lead fishing weights, whatever. Uh, lead bullets, you know, um, but leaded gasoline was, you know, the major uh, source of lead, uh, environmental lead, because it was, you know, an aerosol gas basically floating around next to any road, and you could just breathe it in. And it also settled in the soil. So if you live mm. near a major highway that was built after the 70s, uh, you, or, you know, before the 70s, you might have lead in your garden. Nice. Yeah. So uh, there's been a few different studies, statistical studies that basically show there's a 20 year gap between when lead levels fall and when uh, violent crime rates fall. So, yeah, in beginning in the early 90s was when crime really started to fall. And a lot of people thought it was, you know, the adoption of uh like broken windows policing, uh, just increased policing in general, or um, uh, like, I don't know, some people think it, it's the, uh, the availability of, of uh, abortions. Uh, yes, Connor? Yeah, I was actually, um, I was just going to say the um, availability of abortion. That was Freakonomics, although I think that theory has... I'm not 100% sure, but I think a revisiting of that hypothesis has kind of shown that um, there were actually other factors beyond the abortion. Although, you know, perhaps the combination of not having lead or as much lead in the air and in products, uh, along with the availability of abortion, um, which led to better family planning and whatnot, along with probably plenty of right. other sources as well but i think the abortions thing was kind of shown to be a little bit of a reach from freakonomics yeah right. freakonomics is notorious for conflating like uh the whole uh uh causation and correlation yep. thing yep. like um, two things might correlate but not have a non-causal relationship yeah they, they, they you know there's like yeah there's probably some effect there like they did catch on to something but they pro I think it's it's implied that they kind of they they seem to embellish the effect a little bit. Okay, I wasn't prepared to like go into like the, this stuff, so I don't have the research stuff in front of me. But it uh, there is a book that I have that now the name escapes me. But they discuss how during the Reagan administration uh, there was a study done that showed that uh, police spending had been down 
and they had been putting more money into social services, uh, addiction treatment, things like that. And it caused a significant decrease in the crime rates. So they uh, re- uh, pushed back the release of that study for like a year. They bumped up police budgets. And then when they released the study, police budgets had been increased. So they were able to say that those that the decrease <laughs> in violence was because of the increase in police budgets. <laughs> wow. Of course. Yeah. That so that was, that was also another thing going on in that era. Just bullshit Love yeah it. um and they used so, that as an excuse to cut social services that had actually <laughs> been used to lower those properties and uh and one of these articles i forget if it was the brookings or mother jones one uh i'll put it in the show notes they they said you know um like basically um lead abatement projects have a bigger impact than like police budgets so like we should just like defund the police and spend that money like cleaning up lead paint and um you know lead pipes and stuff and it'll have a, a better uh result than, than increasing police uh, budgets we don't need to defund the police anymore if covid's doing a pretty good job for us <laughs> yeah well if we know anything about their budgets they'll use the money they have even if they get less officers they'll probably buy more tanks or something well, we got it. It's the money's in the budget. If we if we don't spend it, we'll lose yeah. it. Yeah, but they're such pieces of shit, man. They're like, all of them are, all of them are suddenly like, oh, I'm gonna quit my job because nobody likes me. <laughs> and so, like, if they don't have anybody to drive the tanks, then they can have all the fucking tanks they want. I don't give a shit. I still give a shit. I'd rather they didn't well, have just that get those robot dogs to fucking drive them. How about this? We take every single cop, replace him with a tank. And call it a day. Yeah, I mean, as as long as it's like not not the uh, what is it Ed two hundred nine or whatever the thing from uh, RoboCop. All RoboCops are bastards. <laughs> yeah, indeed. What was I gonna say? Oh, so like in this in this uh, article, it was also saying like, you know, the number one indicator for crime is still uh, economic, is still money, uh, but I think you know lead is still significant like Hmm. even if you if you control for other factors like if you you know study two different populations that are exactly the same and just one has you know more lead exposure and the other has less there's going to be more violent crime if if they're exposed to lead as children so all right fair enough uh yeah turns out um the takeaway is lead turned the the uh the boomers uh stupid and violent so does it turn the freaking frogs gay? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good okay. question. Right. Um, I mean, I don't think uh, brain or frog frog brains have frontal lobes, so I think they're okay from lead. But uh, who okay. knows? All right. Yeah, the only thing turning the frogs gay are, are the sexy femboy frogs. <laughs> <laughs> they're so hard to resist. <laughs> More, more research is needed. <laughs> so I think that's about all I have on lead. Well, I think it's a good thing we stopped using that in fuels. I, th- I think that's a safe conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yes. generally, I would say. Yeah, like there's really no point for it, man, because if, if you have leaded gasoline and unleaded gasoline, they both taste the same. So you might as well get <laughs> lead out. I'm with it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say I was... Um, I was a tourist in Costa Rica around 2005 and I'm pretty sure they had leaded gasoline there. 
and uh, the the exhaust from the cars smelled kind of sweet. So uh, that was kind of nice. <laughs> what was it though? Yeah, I don't know. after <laughs> it's a, a nice, pleasant, environmentally damaging aroma. Yeah. Wait, we um, talking about my bo now? <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah. Also, um, oh, another thing: if you have lead paint in your house, it's probably fine to just leave it there except on the window frames. Um, Cause if you're moving the window up and down, it'll scrape off little bits of lead dust and you can inhale that. Um, also, if you have children or animals around that might eat lead paint chips, uh, that that's a problem. So yeah, fun stuff. Lovely. Well, I think next up, uh, since we kind of missed Zach on the uh, on the episode when we were talking about our uh, our fantasy car uh, factory ideas, Zach, uh, why don't you tell us what you would do if if you were put in charge of a car company? What kind of cars would you build? Uh, can I get like a, a quick rundown of what you guys went over, so I'm not repeating the same things because I didn't have a, a chance to listen to what you guys. I don't remember exactly what everyone said, but I, my my plan was to make um, like carbon fiber replicas of uh, Toyotas from the '80s and put various different engines in them. Oh, very cool! I like that. I probably had very strong opinions about something that I currently don't even remember. Uh, that sounds about right. I think Brandon, your idea was to just go to junkyards and rehab old cars and oh get no, them actually, no, I stand by that. That's basically yeah. what I do with my life. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, mine would... Well, no, I stand by that because manufacturing is a huge source of pollution, but if you're just retrofitting things, then you're you're skipping a bunch of steps in the manufacturing process. Yeah. Yeah, I think we I think you even mentioned uh, doing, like, electric retrofits on old junkyard cars, which also very good. Right. Oh, yeah. We, yeah I that's mean, super cool. The, the biggest drawback to my idea would be that, like, if you're using older cars, then there's still safety concerns. But so much of those safety concerns are just because currently everybody drives 8,000-pound lifted trucks. So, like, nothing right. is safe against them. True. 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 Those things could probably total a train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, in all fairness, I think a lot of things can total a train if you, if you put it on the tracks just right. Also true. <laughs> Uh, and then Zach, mine was essentially just a way of running a car company as a you know workers cooperative, but also focus changing the focus from where other car companies spend their money on bullshit marketing and stupid bullshit that like it's just a waste of money. I would do you know I would cut out a lot of that and spend more money on making factory um, aftermarket parts, kind of like Nismo essentially but like yeah better because sometimes nismo is like hey you could buy these you know this part that's like two thousand dollars and it's like a better oil pump and you're like dude i can get a better oil like an even better thing on the aftermarket that's like way cheaper um so like something like a nismo but also right you know a little more practical and not like you really don't need to over engineer it's like, come on, it's not, it is not rocket science. So a lot of those cost centers can be significantly reduced and workers can be properly treated. And that was kind of my whole thing. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, I think that's a given. I uh, I've often considered, you know, if I had the opportunity just to have some sort of a car shop or something like that, how I would handle that. And yeah, I, I always come back around to I don't want to be anybody's boss. Yeah. So I'd have to have some other people who were, who were you know, in it just as much as I was, to to run things, in a more you know, democratic kind of way. Yeah. You probably get a better result anyway. Yeah. So then, so then, uh, we put the question to you. So Zach, if you were to run your own car maker or car factory or whatever it may be, how would you run it? How, what would be the focus of the company and how would you do better than what we currently see today under capitalism, which kind of has a tendency to suck. Uh, I mean, if we're going to assume like unlimited resources here and, uh, and that's already what capitalism assumes. So why not? Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Might as well. Uh, and, and a full fledged car company, all, uh, you know, one of the big three or like a major car manufacturer, not like a boutique shop. Remember the, uh, the big three is the big three combined, I think is smaller than Tesla in, in terms of market capitalization. I'm pretty sure. Uh, smaller. <laughs> uh, yeah, define smaller very clearly. <laughs> In terms of a stock market valuation <laughs> and right. no other aspect whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, in terms of, of Bitcoin and, and selling carbon credits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Also, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tesla's huge at that. <laughs> the biggest car company selling Bitcoin because that makes sense (laughs) no i i think uh i think my main issue that i have with most modern car manufacturing is um an excess of models that are trying to do more than one thing and failing at both of them Mm. basically it's the crossover problem crossovers (laughs) are made for nothing they don't do anything and they fucking suck yep yeah they hit a weird target that no one should have been shooting for already. And then everything just became them. And it's infuriating. Even the Mustang became an electric crossover. (laughs) It's like (laughs) nothing is safe. Becoming a crossover. It's insane. Bring back station wagons. Yes. (laughs) I'm all about station wagon supremacy. It is they're the best design cars ever. Ever. Uh, no, but I, uh, I think uh, my, my biggest thing, my uh, get the company going car would just be the most basic car that could possibly be made. I think that would be our bread and butter. Runs off pumpkin spice. Yep. <laughs> this thing comes with Ugg boot rims pre-installed. <laughs> This is going to be a basic ass bitch. It's going to have no amenities whatsoever. It's going to have front wheel drive and a front engine. We'll get two doors to the Frappuccino. Oh yeah. <laughs> so like basically, uh, like a, I don't know, Ford Festiva from the like late eighties, early nineties. Yep, absolutely. I think that is like a huge untapped i don't know i don't want to call it market but 
you know, there's a huge untapped potential that no one really targets that anymore. Like everything has, uh, you know, Bluetooth and navigation screens and rear, you know, backup cameras and sensors and driver assist features, and they all cost twenty five grand minimum. Well, okay, and I think if fair. you did away with a lot of that, you could make an affordable car that was still safe, but uh, you would still have to have the backup camera, though. Oh, right. That's such a weird thing. That's required now, yep, isn't it? That is required. Yeah. Fucking so Since, weird. Uh, 2014, I believe. I always forget about that because I always see it as such like a luxury option. I've never had a car that's had one. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's... And so it's such a strange thing. It's like, oh, it's like a seatbelt now. You just have to have it. Yep. I mean, to be fair, I have like backed into things before, so maybe it's a good idea to have. <laughs> so. I mean, I have to, but still. <laughs> what the fuck, guys? I drive an extended wheelbase van and I don't hit anything. What is wrong with you? You're you're just better than us, I guess. Yeah. I have ten years of experience driving on you. Yeah. You'll, you'll get there. Once you're a boomer like me. I'm not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not a boomer. Uh. Yeah, no, so that that's like my main my main concern. We're just like a car for the masses, man. Make make a new Lada. Yeah, so I was know? about to say you'd be nice. this is a lot of indestructible. Make it dirt fucking cheap. Yeah. Make one car, but make a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh yeah, that's that's like the main thing. I think cars could be way cheaper from manufacturers. I think they're way overpriced for basic, basic models. And I don't think it has to be that way. I think we can have some stripped down versions of cars that cost like fifteen grand brand new. I don't think that's absurd or like out of the realm of possibility. Can you even buy a car with like roll up windows anymore? Uh I don't think so. Some fleet uh, no, I mean, maybe can. some fleet. maybe like fleet. Yeah, yeah. fleet vehicles. Oh, okay. You definitely can. It's probably used. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's one of the things I like about my MR2. Yeah. Um, although I was going to point out there was, um, I forget which generation of uh, Lancer Evos did this, but there was like an Evo MR or something that like was a stripped down mm-hmm. where they had like roll up windows and everything. And it just like shaved weight like crazy. feel like you could, you could add a yeah. little bit of that. So throw a turbo on that basic car and then take away even more shit out of it. And <laughs> have that version. Real money maker there. Oh yeah, that was that was gonna be my next uh, model that I was gonna talk about. Was like, uh, you know, maybe built on the same platform, but now it's uh, longitudinal, so it's rear wheel drive. Yeah, but it keeps the same chassis. I love it, and it's just it's still bare it's still bare bones though, and it's just about the speed. I think we were talking about this uh, with the new Z car yeah uh, you had to get the luxury package to get things like a limited slip and it's just got all the fancy bits i don't give a fuck about that shit man yeah i want a car that is stripped down just pure power and low weight the lotus theory yeah simplify and add lightness nice yeah yeah fuck heated seats give me a posi rear and i'm happy fuck yeah I do, my butt does not need to be that warm. It, I'll fart hard and I'll be good. Leave, <laughs> leave, leave the shit out of my seats, you know? I mean, I, I do like heated seats. It's nice to have on my Sabaru in the wintertime. 
if your seats are already cloth though like it's not even yeah it doesn't matter it really only like, matters it's really only helpful for leather seats yeah yeah so yeah that's my car company is just going to be the most basic stripped down cars that you could find also i would if i built pickups i would build them regular pickup shape and size not yes. fan with a baby bed that would be <laughs> that would be crazy fucking stupid trust me those things are way bigger than my van oh yeah sure they are i i think it would be cool to bring back the mini truck style because the mini truck is what we yeah that's oh, what yeah. we need for the masses like we don't need eight thousand. but you're like nobody needs that like the old like ranger uh or the tacomas yep. or the s10s that was when we had it right. S10s, yes. That was when we had it right. Yep. Yeah, there was a recent study done that said that, like, the average truck owner uses their truck for, like, truck things, like hauling or towing, on an average of, like, once or twice a year, I think. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're owning these, like, seventy and $80,000 trucks that are entirely overbuilt so that they have the option of using them for their purpose one or two times per year. You know, I, f- yeah. I feel like and, another... I mean, you can just rent a U-Haul for that. Exactly. I, I also think, like, I feel like nowadays the kinds of people who have these big behemoth-ass trucks have just, like, an excessively shitty attitude compared to, like, the people who used to have S10s. I don't think we're like, look at how big my truck is. Like, I don't think they were quite as ridiculous about their trucks when the norm was a much smaller truck. I feel like as they've gotten bigger and more luxury, the types of attitudes you see associated with them has changed. Maybe that's just my perception, but like, yeah. Well, S10s and Rangers and stuff were very utilitarian. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what... And I mean, when, when a new truck, like a, a, a 250, a 2500, is in the same, uh, you know pricing bracket as entry-level mercedes and bmws you're inviting a certain type of person to buy that truck and it's the person who would have otherwise bought uh, a mercedes you know sedan but thinks that he will be cooler if he has a pickup because it's more manly but he has 80 grand to spend on a car yeah nowadays the average f-250 owner is just as shitty as a lexus owner exactly (laughs) And, and, you know, a lot of them, they're just cosplaying as working class. You know, they're like, I have a truck to do truck things like, you know, carpentry or whatever. Take my family to soccer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, they just drive it to their office job or whatever. Or maybe they're like the foreman at a construction site or something. Yeah, exactly. So lame. Every once in a while, they'll throw the sports gear in the bed so they can right. make it feel justified. <laughs> Um, I could probably go on about more uh, car company stuff, but I think that kind of covers my main philosophy of what I would do. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, for possibly the first time in our whole history, we have recorded in a pretty efficient fashion, but that still means that we're over an hour. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't think we'll ever get under an hour, but (laughs) I was just just... like, I'm not used to this. I'm like, do we need to fill two hours here? (laughs) Well, I mean, we'll we'll be we'll be pretty close. You 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 got your segment. We'll 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 shoehorn that in there, and yeah, I think I think that'll be good. Not two and a half hours of us rambling for once. And we we can cover that later, but not next episode because uh, we're going to be recording a podcast with another podcast. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. We got so uh wait, are we announcing is that like a secret? Uh not really. I just we haven't really promoted it. Do I have to either. kill everyone who's listened to this episode now so it doesn't get out? <laughs> I'm way ahead of you. I'm eating lead. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we don't have to say what it is. Yeah. But we're you doing know. a we're doing a collaboration with we'll another t- actually, cool podcast. You'll like it. It'll be fun. Yeah, we'll say it's not we'll say it's not Chapo. We're not quite that big yet. <laughs> yeah, probably never will. I feel like they might hate us anyway. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't probably I don't know if any of the Chapo guys have ever actually met any working class people, so they might not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they probably don't own cars either. So um all right. Well, um, I guess we'll we'll wrap up this section and then we'll go to the the sort of field recordings that I did at the Lemons race on September 11th. Never forget <laughs> in uh, High Plains Raceway. Sorry if the audio is shitty. Um, it was done with my phone at a racetrack. So there will probably be, you know, me banging my phone on things and or uh, race cars driving past in that. Yeah, trying so we're trying something new. Yeah. Um, oh, before before I jump off, uh, remember to follow us on social media and you know rate the podcast, give us nice reviews and stuff if if you like us. Assuming you do, if you made it this far. Yeah. All right, we'll just tell you we're doing an episode with Pod Save America, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, we're we're coming out. We're lib. <laughs> oh yeah. man, that's we're, we're actually uh, you know power power posters on the neoliberal subreddit. <laughs> we all we all bought hybrids. Uh, I mean, buying hybrids is good. I am actually thinking about. I am actually thinking about buying a hybrid now that my commute is longer. But we can talk about that on a future episode. Uh, or I can just judge you silently. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> They're very utilitarian. Like I, I get they're at this point they're more utilitarian than an actual truck. So yeah, I'm not going to judge you too harshly for it. Yeah, and it would basically be for utilitarian purposes, and I would I would keep one of my fun cars, you know. So we'll see about that. Depends on which car is more broken. A, a very good friend of mine who built like custom muscle cars and like resto mod stuff like actual like hot rods i think he's even worked on a riddler car or two uh drives a prius because for a while his commute was like almost 100 miles each way oh my god that's Ouch. that's outrageous yeah. wait i might have maybe it was 100 miles a day yeah no that's way more right it was still outrageous oh yeah no it absolutely was but you know he wasn't exactly gonna buy a muscle car that got like optimistically 15 or 16 miles to a gallon and then do that yeah. yeah. If I was smart, I would do that. I have like a 70-mile round-trip commute. Oh, so. Jesus. Yeah. Wow. yeah, that's rough. I mean, mine is only about 15 miles each way, but I figure that might be a good candidate for like a Nissan Leaf at the end of its life that doesn't have much, you know, mile or much uh, range left in the battery. You know, I, I hear you can pick those up for a few thousand, so I could be the last owner of one of those. Seems reasonable. Um, just charge it up at night and yeah. yeah. Doesn't seem like a bad idea at all. So eh, we'll see about that. Um, anything else before I uh, stop the recording? Uh, mm. No. Nope. Follow us on social media. And reach out if you have stories that you want to yeah, tell I us. I can't think of anything sufficiently snarky to say, so I'll go. 
yeah do uh, do reach out uh you know send us a unhinged rant on our email or just a hey thanks for doing what you're doing we appreciate all of those and check us out on pod save america <laughs> yeah <laughs> i would be perfectly happy if if we ever did a pod save america i would just let brandon handle that i feel like that would be great <laughs> <laughs> Would it just be Brandon screaming "fuck you" like twenty times, <laughs> making veiled walls? I lack the self awareness to know what role I play on this podcast. So, am I just the loud abrasive one? Yes. Just uh, <laughs> what I've been going for this whole time. <laughs> okay, good. Mission well, I mean, by going for, I mean I'm just acting the way that I act towards the few people that will put up with me and call me a friend. Uh, so that <laughs> also also just to make the pod save America joke, I couldn't even remember the name of that shitty fucking show and I had to Google it real quick. <laughs> That's why there was a fucking lag on how long it took me to make that joke. I was Googling. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I do like pod damn America. Those guys are pretty cool. Yeah. Way different yeah. pod. <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome if we could get on that podcast. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be cool. It'd be awesome if I got on Pod Save America. I would be such a piece of shit. <laughs> well, maybe they'll do a call-in show someday. <laughs> hey, this is Bryant. I'm doing a little field recording here at High Plains Raceway out in Bumfuck MT, Colorado middle of nowhere my car's dashboard is telling me it's 96 degrees out um so i got got plenty of ice water and sunscreen i'm gonna go around here and uh, uh talk to some folks try to do a couple quick little interviews and uh i'll take some photos for the social media and all that i'm not sure uh if this will go into regular episode if there still will be a, a bonus thing or what but uh, yeah, the uh, the Sabaru did okay coming up here. Um, you know, cruising on the highway with the cruise control on. Uh, the AC is still broken, so I got my little spray bottle of water here uh, to keep me cool. Uh, DIY swamp cooler sort of deal. Uh, it kind of worked, you know. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go walk around the paddock here and see what's going on. Say hi to some folks, and uh, I'll report back. Oh, I think I forgot to say, uh, this is the 24 Hours of Lemons race in Colorado um, at High Plains Raceway. I forget if they call it High Plains Drifter or BFEGP, something like that. I don't know. Um, yeah. The race is taking place on 9-11, uh, 2021. Never forget Salvador Allende, etc. How could I forget? I don't know. Hi, so I'm with uh, Rafi, previous guest, uh, who is uh, racing the 24 Hours Lemons here. Rafi, uh, why don't you tell the, uh, the fine folks at home about your, your race car trials and travails? All right, all right. So um, for the last almost two years, we've been repairing and uh, rebuilding our engine. We have a uh, 1987 Toyota MR2 race car. And in 2019, uh, it blew a lot of seals in the engine and we just said it'll be easier to rebuild it and maybe make it a little bit better. So, you know, a weekend here, a weekend there, 
a lot of uh, help sourcing parts and time and effort. And we got the car up and running and it was running great. So we said, we're gonna enter for the full 24 hour race in uh, September, 2021. Well, on the Tuesday before the race, the car, as I was pulling it out of the garage, uh, made a very loud metallic clunk from the engine. And anybody who knows engines, hearing a clunk and then a stop is not good. <laughs> so immediately I let my team know. And then uh, there was a team member who, uh, there's a notification group online. And uh, there was also other people in that notification group. And one of them was bringing a spare race car, which honestly he was bringing for parts. And he said, hey, would you like my 1991 uh, Acura Integra? It's got a million miles. Uh, we haven't really done anything to, uh, to it from the past race, and you're going to need to put some sort of lights on it. But if you do all that, I mean, feel free to rent it. So I said yes. Um, we got to the track Friday morning. We took the lights off of the race car Friday morning. We got to the track, and then uh, from noon to 5 o'clock, we were getting all the lights working, uh, getting everything working, and tech for 24 hours 11s ends at 5 p.m. on Fridays. At 4.59, we rolled up to tech. <laughs> we got it through lights, tail lights, brake lights, everything inside the car, the cage, the fire suppression, uh, everything works, and the kill switch. And uh, at 5.02 p.m., we were good to go. Uh, we added a couple more lights because this will be a full 24-hour uh, race. And the, the inky darkness of the eastern plains of Colorado is very dark. So sometimes uh, stock lights will not do it. So we have some uh, Baja Designs S2 Pro uh, lights, which are really designed as like a very good fog light. Um, they're mounted on the front and they're mounted for our uh, corner lights. And they're mounted in such a way that we can see the corners, but they also shine forward. And uh, right now we are hour four hours and 55 minutes into racing and the car has been on the track a majority of the time. Uh, we've done our driver changes pretty well. The fuel stop has been pretty good. Uh, I'm very happy with how things are going. Uh, most of the previous experiences has been the car off the track more time on the track. So I'm very happy how we are uh, now and I'll try not to say that anymore, not to jinx it. <laughs> but um, yeah, in about 10, 15 minutes, I'm gonna hop on in and uh, do my uh, stint. I have a, everybody's taking about an hour of driving and then a couple hours out. And we're gonna try to continue that all throughout the night. So we've got three drivers so far. First one did about hour and a half. Second one did about an hour. Third one is about to do about an hour and I'll do my hour and then we'll start all over again. That's how it goes, endurance racing. Thank you. Yeah, sweet. Uh, trying to think of anything else to ask. Uh, what was I going to say? So do you think you'll have the uh, MR2 back up and running for next next uh, race in June? Or what are you thinking? To be fair, we have not looked at the <laughs> MR2. Uh, me and James, James was present. We pushed the car back into the garage, and that's it. Um, we have not looked at the oil pan. We have not tried. We try, I started trying it two more times. It's like that car over there. You know, you can hear the starter <laughs> going and going and going but nothing's catching, so something is not correct. But sometimes it's better to not know, because if you know what's wrong with the car, then you have a lot more stress. It's like we just know that it's not working, and sometimes that's enough. So uh, 
you know, when we get back, then we can start diagnosing it. But I think it's better right now for all of us to just be focused on the car we have now and where we're at because just, you know, when you can just focus on one thing, you can get it done. When you have all those things above your head, sometimes it just cascades and you, you get stressed out. And, you know, we're here to go racing. We're not here to think about the, the next car, the next year. I, I hope, I pray, I wish you can get, get back together, but I don't know. We'll see. You know, time will tell. We thought we were going to make it for the 2020 24 hour race. We did not. So, uh, you know, you can prepare for the best and, you know, hope you make it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I was thinking uh, maybe I should offer those guys my MR2 engine because my, my MR2 is out with transmission problems. But I think at that point you had already uh, got the Acura squared away. Yeah, so. yeah. well, <laughs> sometimes even with three days before a race, getting one engine out and another engine in, and, you know, we're part-timers. We can't do this full-time. You know, we all have jobs. We all have obligations. Right. And, you know, saying we're going to do an engine swap three days before the race and then hope it all works out may not be the best course. So, uh you know, it was really luck, luck that got us here. You know, if uh, the notification group didn't have this guy in it, then we wouldn't have had it. And there you go. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, best of luck, I guess. Uh, Thanks. Keep going. I'll break some legs. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully not my own. Keep it, keep it shiny side up, as they say. Exactly. All right. I'm uh, here with uh, my friend Kevin. How's it going, Kevin? It's going well so far. Well, I mean, unfortunately, I have a steering column that's broken in the truck, but... Other than that, our truck runs well, so there's a good start. Yeah, so you have a 1950 Dodge pickup truck. Um, I raced with you years ago when it still had the, uh, the original, or I don't know if it was the original, but a flathead straight yeah, six. It, it had a flathead six in it. Um, it was actually a 218. I found out later it was actually from a 37 Plymouth truck when we first raced out at Miller with you. Um, then we did an overnight engine swap on a second night from an airport tug into the truck. Turns out that was from a 47 Plymouth Special Deluxe that came out of the Clark Airport tug, and that was actually a 230 cubic engine engine rendered 218. Yeah, they basically made that same engine from like I don't know the 20s through the 70s or something. Um, yeah. So the Flathead Six it came, was originally designed in like 1928 or something. They actually kept it in production all the way into the mid 80s in industrial use, like you know irrigation pumps and forklifts and things like that it was a really big used by clark was a very large manufacturer of people that use that engine yeah and uh what was i going to say and now you've got a, a little bit of an upgrade for the engine so yeah after you know six or seven years of driving the truck and getting passed by everybody and not passing a single person uh we i decided to put a v8 or do something with it the original plan was actually to turbocharge the flathead I, that went by the wayside so a friend of mine down in the springs um actually gave me a 5.2 magnum i pulled it apart turns out it was not great i used it as a core to get a 5.9 magnum from o'reilly's it's a like, mexican like rebuild special and that's what's in it now it's a 5.9 magnum v8 out of like a 01 ram and the transmission's out of like a 2008-ish dodge ram it's a six-speed manual cool and uh it has a jaguar independent suspension right yep uh jaguar independent front and rear the 
Jaguar rear end is kind of special because it's got inboard disc brakes and there's also no upper control arm. Uh, as far as the front and rear suspension goes, it's a really nice, easy swap to do because on the front suspension, the only thing you have to fabricate is the upper shock mounts. On the rear end, the only thing you have to fabricate is trailing arm mounts or trailing arm and mounts. Uh, tidbit for anyone that's doing it, Lexus LS400 trailing arms fit into a Jaguar XJ6 and are much easier to mount a trailing arm mount for than the large, you know, about six inch rubber donut that the original Jaguar has. Huh, interesting. Um, and uh, so you, you said you have uh, uh, problems with the steering column. What, what happened with it? So uh, a buddy of mine locally gave me a Cadillac steering column out of like a 1970s DeVille or something. I don't know exactly. Early, mid, late 70s something Cadillac. It was a tilt and telescoping steering column that I had to modify to fit. And where I cut the housing around the outside, I didn't realize that the tilt mechanism actually rested on some rollers. And where that tilt went up and down, I actually cut a little bit too far and it actually pulled off that uh, pin where that pin seats into the outer housing and it ripped the actual housing, which in includes the actual steering bearing up on top out of the truck. At that point, there was literally nothing holding the steering column, like the steering wheel onto the truck and you could almost just rip the thing right out. Uh, I've got some buddies that are out there picking up, I think a Toyota Prius steering column we're going to try to get that in tonight. Huh, interesting. Uh, any reason why a Toyota Prius, or is it just what they found? So, uh, one of our drivers actually was complaining about the lack of power steering, and he was very upset about it, so now he wants to put a power steering rack in it. So that's why they're going with a Prius rack, because it's an electric power steering that literally only takes one positive wire and a ground to get power steering into. And apparently it's a fairly common swap. Uh, once it gets here, we'll have to look at it, see if it's going to clear everything, and fabricate some brackets, get out the welder grinder, things like that, and hopefully get back on track. Uh, this morning we went out for eh, four or five laps. Um, truck ran great. It wants to pick up the inside rear tire on every corner and smoke for another, you know, <laughs> 300 feet, which is hilarious seeing a 50 Dodge pickup just, like, smoke a 335 rear tire. But that's what the truck does now, so it's all kinds of fun. Um with the flathead, our fast lap time was about a 3.09. With this one, the fast lap so far after like a total of five laps is like a 2.42. So we cut like, you know, 30 seconds off of our <laughs> lap time effectively right. with, you know, four laps. I wasn't pushing it that hard. I was just seeing what it would do. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, any other uh, plans on racing that in, in any other races around the country? or? Um. It's possible. I'm looking at Lucky Dog next year for a couple things. I'm hoping to maybe get it out to Laguna Seca at some point next year, maybe. Yeah. And we'll see how it goes. Um, there's a couple other drivers around the country that might be interested in it. Randy Pope's actually was interested in maybe driving the truck wow. at some point. Interesting. Which okay. will be, would be kind of hilarious and terrifying because I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm not a fabricator, but... Hey, if he wants to come raise it, I'm not going to complain. <laughs> yeah, I guess it would suck to to build the truck that kills Randy Popes. Yeah, that would really be bad. That would be a bad thing. I'm not going to want to kill Randy Popes. Um, right now, I really need a larger front sway bar because it's just picking up that inside rear really, really bad. I was talking to uh, Anton Lovett, and that's what he recommended. I'm not a suspension guy. I don't know anything about suspensions, really. And that's what he recommended for it. 
Yeah, I think I think that's the accepted wisdom is you uh, the uh, the other end front or back you stiffen up that sway bar to compensate on the other end or something. I'm not really sure. Yeah, apparently if you um, put a larger front sway bar on, it actually makes it so the rear doesn't like move around as much and the opposite. It I I don't know physics something something or other. I talked to experts for that. It's black magic. Exactly. Black magic. It's, it's FM. It's <laughs> FM. Cool. Well, uh, anything else for the uh, the listeners before we uh, sign off here? Um, not offhand. Just have fun. Don't take life too seriously and laugh at yourself sometimes. That's uh, words to live by, I'd say. <laughs> My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. When left entirely on its own devices, capitalism foists its diseconomies and its toxicity upon the general public and upon the natural environment. And then it does an interesting thing. It eventually begins to devour itself. If the paladins of corporate America want to know what really threatens our way of life, it's their way of life. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning. Uh, it's important that we examine the twin forces behind the Biden candidacy. The billionaires and the Bolsheviks. 